Hindu Anthony, and An- Anthony, and Super Vegan Brian. Yeah, Anthony's not here, Michael. Yeah, what? You know what? We'll get to that. He's kind of worried there for a second, but uh, but we do have a very a very good guest today. Somebody who's really interesting. We have Sir Brandon Noel. How you doing, Brandon? Pretty good. Thanks for having me on. Glad to have you here. And we have you here for indie comics, and we want to talk to you about. You know, because you're involved in them, right? You basically. Uh, yes. Uh, I write. I, I I draw. I self-publish. Been self-publishing since 2009. So we're gonna have a lot of fun talking to you today. We're gonna talk a little bit about indie comics. We're gonna talk about about you in this world of comics. That because everything that I know you're into is gonna be great. We're gonna get into all that. But first, we're gonna go ahead and do our favorite game. What's nerdy with you? And you know, Anthony's missing. It, it breaks my heart that I don't know what happened to him. But uh, <laughs> we're going to go ahead. We're going to go ahead and do What's Nerdy With You. And I'll go ahead and start. So as we talked on the horror episode, not horrors, Brian, but horror. It You said it right. <laughs> you don't. Horror. <laughs> I know. You know I'm from New York. Sue me. So we weren't, I've, I mentioned that I was a big fan of... The Evil Dead franchises and the new series they did. Well, I watched the first two episodes of the new season and I decided that I wanted to watch the first season all over again. So I took last week as a chance to binge the entire series. And I got to say, a lot more gore than I remember, but so satisfying. Just there's something about Bruce Campbell with a chainsaw hand. I'm a fan of uh, what they're doing over at Stars. And uh, yeah, the it, it, it's a, a really good series. They've, there's a ton of nuances used from the old from the old movies, at least from one and two. Uh, I, I was just I was blown away and, and just had a real beautiful moment with it all. So that, that's my nerdy thing this week. Uh, Brian, what about you? I set up a group watch for the Supernatural Road So Far podcast and our unofficial group watch for their for their podcast. And we watched my favorite Supernatural episode from season three, Mystery Spot. I love that episode. It's always Tuesday. And um, the nerdy part about that, it was it was the second time I saw that episode that week. <laughs> that week? Yep. How many times a week do you watch the Mystery Spot? I, well, it was on TV. Ah. I, I went in to have lunch and it was on TV. And um, I, if that episode's on, I have to watch it. It's my favorite episode. I, I agree with you. You can't miss that episode. Because it's always Tuesday. But yeah, so that's actually pretty good. So it looks like uh, our two were pretty TV related today. But so we're going to move over to our guest, Brandon. What's nerdy with you? Okay. um, I recently went to um, an antiquing place uh, here locally, and they had some, some older comics. I picked up, this is how geeky I am. I picked up a little Lulu from the 1930s and i picked up a a gold key uh mickey mouse comic from the the 70s as well as a couple issues of rom space night well that's going super niche right there the the rom space night got you my vote yeah (laughs) the fact that he got a little lulu 
and he didn't sound upset about it, got my vote. I, man, the guest wins this week. I'm sorry, no contest. I'm 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 still I'm all about Rom. I'm part of that cold following. Rom, uh, are you Knight. currently are you currently reading the new Rom Space Knight stuff? I am not. I'm not reading any mainstream. Well, it's it's IDW. Um, Marvel lost the license to Rom's Space Knight. So IDW is currently publishing Rom Space Knight, which I I just I feel wrong about because it it it, we, it weirds me out seeing a Rom Space Knight without the Marvel logo. That actually makes me kind of happy because it makes that makes me think that Rom Space Knight could cross over with Doctor Who or or Star Trek. Um, they are doing a giant crossover, but they, uh, IDW lost the Doctor Who license a while ago. Oh, I didn't know about that. Um, they did. Yeah. Yeah, Titan Comics now publishes the the uh, Doctor Who books. Are they doing the um, same kind of thing? Yeah. The problem is it's harder to get Titan because they're a British company. So I I haven't seen a whole lot what they're doing. I know they have a a current Doctor book running and then a ninth Doctor book running. Um, I don't know everything Titan. I'm not too familiar with Titan, so I don't know exactly what they're doing. Yeah, I'm not really familiar with them either. Hopefully they're doing good stuff, but they're they're doing a ninth Doctor run. He's a Doctor I really wanted to see more of, so I would have to try and find some of that. Yeah, I think the the ninth Doctor stuff they're doing takes place with with, uh, Rose and Adam in between the the two episodes that Adam showed up. Oh, okay. That would be a really fun read, I think. So I, I will definitely look for that. So, uh, okay. I, it's killing me, Brian. I, I, I need to know what happened to our third nerd. I got to know where my vegan, well, not well, my vegan, but my Hindu friend is. What, what, where the hell's Anthony? Well, he'll be back. I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hoping he'll be back as long as he doesn't suffer the same fate as Barb. Because um, we fired up the transdimensional portal, the official nerd podcast radio transdimensional portal, and we sent him to the upside down. Uh, well, you know, this thing has been just been trouble since we built the thing. I mean, and, and first of all, why did you think that was a good idea? Well, we need to get the first person perspective of these these worlds that we talk about and sending Anthony there sounded like the safest bet for us. Uh, oh, yeah. So worth it. Yeah. We're he's if he's dead, I'll probably meet at his funeral. But well, it. I have Christmas lights set up all over my room, and he's going to send me messages if any danger happens. The last I heard, he's held up in a little fort in the woods, and he should be okay as long as he stays away from something called the the Thessal Hydra. It took him forever to spell that out with the lights, though. Did he have to stop and like spell out spell check and then start over again? Yeah, it was it was strange to watch. It's uh, just the yeah. red light started flickering for a while, and then all of a sudden it went back to writing words. Oh, man. Uh, well, I hope he's okay and has all his appendages still. Well, the screaming faces coming out of my wall make it a little distracting to record the podcast. Do but any of them I, I think look I'll be like they have glasses them. and a mustache? No. No, okay. just horrible creatures from beyond. I'm, I'm used to that in this house. That's poor guy. Wait, your house is haunted? Not in years. Okay, we, we're going to have to talk about that later because I'm interested in that because I've been in that house a lot. It doesn't <laughs> seem like it would be haunted. Well, it's only haunted by um, my evil twin, Byron, but we can talk about that another time. Yeah, we're, yeah, a little pin on the corkboard for that. Let's get back to Brandon because. <sighs> Trust me, Anthony will be safe. I haven't gotten a message from him in a while, but I, I think I, I think he's fine. He, he's good. 
I hope so. I mean, just keep keep the keep the portal warm. Get them out of there when we can. So, but Brandon, back to you, buddy. So you you run an indie comic company, is that correct? Yes, uh, Destiny Comics. Uh, we've been uh, kicking around since uh, 2009. Um, yeah, we, uh, we've been published. We've got a couple of books under our belt at this point. Can you tell us a little bit about the titles? You know, I I haven't. I haven't been, I haven't, you know, I've known you for a while and I have to apologize. I haven't gotten into it. So, um, what do you tell someone who knows nothing about what you do? What, what kind of things you do? Uh, I, I mostly publish, uh, all ages titles. I have a, a line of Mr. Cuddles. He's our most popular seller. Angelically possessed teddy bear protecting his family against zombies, vampires, werewolves, uh, I, I get to play with uh, uh, the horror element um, at a younger age level. It's a really fun book. We uh, we just recently published earlier this year, uh, Mr. Cuddles versus the Babysitter. Uh, really proud of that one. What is Mr. Cuddles? Uh, he's an angelically possessed teddy bear who is protecting his family against all kinds of supernatural threats without their knowledge. So the family is completely unawares. Sounds like an amazing version of Toy Story. It it kinda is. Uh, it's a little darker, and you get to you get to draw a teddy bear punching a vampire in the nards. Like it's, uh, I, I would say, hev- <laughs> heavily inspired by um, you know Monster Squad and some of those PG thirteen horror stuff of the uh, the eighties that we just don't get anymore. Uh, I suddenly flash back to Howie Mandel in full prosthetic monster makeup. Yes. Yeah. Um, there, there is an actual Mr. Cuddles, though. There's a there's an actual teddy bear. I'd heard that story before. Yeah. Um, we we have a teddy bear. I, I'm a big fan of photo covers. Um, so a lot of the covers are um, models dressed up as as villains, and things of that nature doing battle with the teddy bear. So, yeah, we have a, a teddy bear for photo ops. He comes with us to all the conventions. Um and it, it's a great way to, you know, at the convention, if you're looking across the, the, the convention, all of a sudden you see a, a big teddy bear. You're like, okay, something, something at least kid friendly is over there. Now, I heard a story about Mr. Cuddles. Is this the, is this the first incarnation of Mr. Cuddles? Because I heard Mr. Cuddles went, got lost and went on a bit of an adventure. Did you ever get that one back? No, um, uh, our first Mr. Cuddles sadly went to WonderCon and did not come home with us. Um, uh, I'm a little upset. We still don't know exactly what happened. Uh, the Anaheim Convention Center uh, never got back to me on their lost and found. He's off battling vampires, demons, and and zombies and everything. He just had he had to go. There was like one there, and he had to take care of it. Now he's. Uh, sad hulking it down the road <laughs> yeah he wandered <laughs> off at the con after the actual monster that people just thought was a cosplaying dude that, that's uh, a happier end to that story <laughs> yeah it, it, it i am a little disappointed that that you know that first cuddles got lost but this is you know this is uh we used to call him fake cuddles but at this point he's just inherited the job our our second uh mr cuddles <laughs> okay I, I kind of like that it's like the mantle gets passed on oh that teddy bear body got destroyed time for a new one yeah, um, the another uh, on the other spectrum of things that uh, that I publish, we do um, our, uh, a graphic novel 
this was fully funded through Kickstarter back in 2014. Uh, a mature reader book, uh, The Last Templar, which is uh, more sci-fi fantasy affair. I really wanted to do kind of a Conan book. And so that's, that's where I got to do all my blood, guts, and, and violence stuff. What's 8-Bit Pulp? Uh, 8-Bit Pulp is a, uh, anthology series that, uh, me and a group of writers publish. Uh, it's, um, a series of prose. It's, it's not that there's some comic book material, but it's, it's mostly prose with some illustrations. It's in the vein of an old 1930s pulp magazine. Um, there's usually about 10 stories per book. We used to kind of keep the books themed, but at this point, um, you know, you get, a variety of stories in each, each book that yeah i i so I, i've read a few of those eight bit pulps and glenstorm they're actually very fun diversity in stories and poems and actually the comic section is really good i i enjoyed reading all all of it they're great yeah we do uh some pinup photography for a uh like like an old-fashioned uh photo gallery in the, the center of the book so like we have two Facebook pages. We have a Destiny Comics Facebook page, and then we have a whole other page just for Ape at Pulp because of some of the the, the photos and, and more mature content that's in Ape at Pulp. Do you use the same photographer? Uh, we use a couple of photographers. A uh, mutual friend, Wayne Abraham, bounces in and out. My wife uh, does m- um, the majority of the photography. Um, and then we were in talks with another guy who we were – Maybe going to publish his work, but well, we haven't gotten back to him in a while. So he's he's a still a maybe. Yeah, he's still a maybe. I yeah. wanted you to bring up Wayne so we could give him an excuse to listen to this. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, he has to have an excuse to listen to this. Well, we want to get him on the podcast eventually too. Um, so. Wayne Wayne will definitely do it. He's uh, he, he's besides one of our photographers, he's a uh, author on the Pit Pulp series. And last time we were publishing them, uh, he was. He just took over the illustrations. He handled a lot of the illustrations, if not all of them. I'm so familiar they, with his work, but I haven't seen his drawings in yours. His, his illustrations are phenomenal. Oh, uh, pen and ink inkmanship is just, it, it's its incredible. If you follow him on Instagram, he is posting uh, pad and, uh, ink and, and uh, pad uh, illustration pictures for all the entire month of October. Well, it's, Each, it's Inktober. He's, he's yeah. doing Inktober. He's yeah. taking care. Of, he's doing Inktober, and he's he's following the the he's following the program. He has his his uh, schedule. Each day is a diff- is a different one, and so far they've been g- really great. I've been enjoying them. Do you know his Instagram, or do I have to it's, research it and put it in the shoutouts? It's, it's Wallaby, if I remember right. It's that Wallaby, and I, the L's are ones. I, we can definitely, but to be sure, we're going to look it oh, up. Oh, I'll look it up for sure. Yeah, we'll look it up and we'll put it in the description for the episode because I want to get so many people to check out his work because I just think he's great at illustrations and drawing. He's he's He has a good flair and, a, and an artist's eye that I like. It's um, W-A-1-1-A-6-Y. Six, thank you. Couldn't, couldn't be any less simple. No. <laughs> Um, so, Brandon, um, you're obviously interested in comics. How did you become interested in comics? When did that happen in your life? Well, I, I'm always a comic book fan. Um, the first issue uh, I ever read, I was real young. It was a um, uh, Spider-Man number nine, Silver Age, Stanley, Steve Ditko. 
Uh, yeah, it was, it always, oh, it was always kind of a part of my life. I had two uncles, big comic book fans, so I always had their collection to, to go through and read. I never thought I'd, I'd go into this full time. In high school, the dream was to become a professional wrestler. That was my, my, my dream, and I was pursuing that when I got seriously hurt. Uh, in a collegiate match, destroyed my left foot. I have uh, four permanent titanium pins in my left foot. I can't really run all that much. So Wait, that's why you have pardon pardon interruption, but that's why you have the pins in your foot. I never knew that. I knew you had the pins, but I didn't know that was why. Yeah, I uh, I got uh, pretty messed up in a uh, high school wrestling match, and uh, I basically I went through a bit of a depression because that dream was gone. If you can't run, you can't be a professional wrestler. It's just yeah, because it's you need cardio. Yeah. So even Mick Foley, who doesn't, it didn't have the stronger, he could go, you know? So, yeah. um, so I went through a bit of depression and in the midst of my depression, um, I started reading the Watchmen, the greatest book for, wa- uh, for dealing with depression, mind you. Um, and, uh, Watchmen is a very good title. Yes. When I got to the end of that book, when I got to, um, spoilers for, a book written in, I think, 1986. <laughs> um, you had 20 plus, you had almost 30 <laughs> years to read the book, people. Yeah. If you haven't yet, it's your own fault. Okay. Yeah. So when, when you get to the uh, end of Watchmen and you get to the death of Rorschach, I, I just, it broke me. I started crying. I just, you know, and I sat there and go, this is what I want to do. I wanted, I've always been a fan of comics, always a fan of the industry. As a kid, going all the way back to, you know, Stan Lee, Steve Dicko, when it was first put in front of me. And I thought, yeah, this is what I want to do. Um, so so it, ever since then, I've kind of just been pursuing comic books as a, you know, um, a career, career path. How did you, how did you get to start writing them? Um, well, uh, in the early days, I had a business partner who was an, a writer. And uh, as comic book business partnerships are tend to do, it went belly up. And basically, I, I was looking at his scripts going, yeah, I can do better than this. Like, I, I can, I, I'm sitting there going, I, I can write better than what my partner was writing. Previously to that going belly up, you were doing the art and he was doing the writing. Correct. Yeah, he was, he was, um... Uh, a, a novelist, if you can say that, he, he published one book with uh, American Press and kind of got screwed over on the rights. Um, but we we had a, a professional falling out. I just, uh, again, looking at his stuff, going, yeah, I can write better than this. And that's when I started kind of just writing Mr. Cuddles and Last Templar graphic novel. I did have an author on that, uh, Luis Lopez. He... Um, uh, brought in a friend who works for or does stories for the 8-Bit Pulp anthology. And I just said, hey, you want to do this? And, and uh, it, you know, we, we're planning on doing a, a, a part two and three of The Last Templar. And he's still going to be writing those. That's good. So What's it, his name? Yeah. Uh, Luis Lopez. Yeah. I met Panda him. Pagoda on Twitter. That That's his handle on Twitter? Yeah. Panda Pagoda. At Panda Pagoda. So... So you, you you start getting into you start out drawing and then you start writing because you just feel like you could be a uh, have a a better hitch to it maybe give a little bit more depth to stories where did it come into that you wanted to do your own basically your own company rather than go to one of the the, the big companies well for for years I was chasing um, deals with 
with the other companies. Um, and, and, uh, you know, you, you pitch, you, you try to get in with them, you, you do what you have to do. And, uh, luckily I was fortunate to meet a lot of some of the bigger names in comics, but nothing ever came of it. And, uh, so self publishing seemed like one of the, the, the stronger options. And, uh, so I just, uh, rolled up my sleeves and just tried to figure it out. Yeah. Well, getting into the into the big companies now, there's a massive gatekeeper at the door for those. There, there's not as much as you as there used to be, um, because they have open submissions now. When I was younger, they didn't. When I was first starting, they open submissions no. Um, but uh, also, Image has become the premier indie comic company in that they just offer these creator owned deals. And they're only responsible for printing and shipping the book and everything else comes down to the creators. This is how, this is how we've seen things like saga. This is how we've seen, um, it's this incredible shift that's happening in the industry right now. Um, some of the top selling books in the industry aren't even at Marvel or DC anymore. Which like, is amazing because of how long they've held on to the top spots for creator and everything else. So the gatekeeper's slowly dying is what you're saying. Yeah. And, and you know, I have a friend who uh, works for Top Cow and, uh, you know, incredible company. I got to tour the offices of Top Cow once. Um, and, it, again, they're, they have a tendency to focus more on Mark Silvestri. It's Mark Silvestri's company, of course. Um, but for a moment there, they were publishing uh, little indie guy stuff, and it was doing fairly well. It was holding their own. So it's it's interesting to see that um, creators these days have more options than, you know, when I was starting out in 09. Um, and in comic books, that's not that long ago, but it, it is a, a lifetime ago just in, in web comics and and everything that's that's come about comicsology you know you can you can publish directly through them if if they like your stuff comic uh, comicsology does direct publish uh, yes comicsology has a submissions for the indie guys where if, if you want to submit to them um your indie project uh they can put it up and it's comicsology so it's right there head and shoulders with batman superman and all those kinds of things in the in their digital um, uh, store, so like too much. Uh, if you guys are unfamiliar with too much uh, coffee man, he is available through Comixology. Which when, when I was younger, you had to hunt for too much coffee man. You got to talk about that. I've yeah. never heard of that before. Me neither. Uh, too much coffee man. He's actually um, Comixology's right now. Like when you go through their submissions, he's the character on their. Um, their uh submission forms which i think is hilarious he's a old indie i don't want to say old but he's an indie character has been around since the uh 80s uh in the vein of the tick he's a satire character um so like superhero costume generic red and white costume with a giant coffee cup on his head and if the coffee drains so much he loses his power oh my Uh, yeah it's I'm looking at the pictures. I've, I can't believe I've never heard of this before. He reminds yeah. me of a Kappa. Yeah. 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 Um, again, been around since the 80s. Uh, Too Much Coffee Man's one of those indie standards. It's like during the black and white boom, 
of the 80s. You had like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You had The Tick. You had Too Much Coffee Man. You had Cerebus, um, you know, in that 80s boom of, of, of self-publishers. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'm looking at these pictures. It, the, this guy, this is something I need to look up, especially if it's akin to The Tick, because I love The Tick. Now, there, at one point, there's a, a, he got into a fight with a supervillain, and the guy goes, I'm going to punch you in the next week, and he gets hit, and you literally see him fly through the calendar. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's good. I like that's, that. That's one of my best, my favorite gags. Just that, That's good. Literally in the next week. Yeah. I like that. So you've gone from really trying to get accepted by the bigger companies to running your own, basically becoming an owner creator and just following your path. So you just, um, how do I say this? You, you, you've decided to try and, you know, lack of better words, you tried to make your own happy and, 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 and create your own path to your dream. Well, um, you know, again, I, I stand on the, the heads of giants. Um, I'm not the first guy to take this path. You have Stan Sakai with Yosaki Ojimbo. That's true. You have um, Sergio Gonas with Gru. Um, you know, and and when they were doing it, they were paying for their print runs out of their pocket. Like they didn't have the the ability of digital publishing. They didn't have, you know. So again, I'm not I'm not doing anything too too new. I mean, Jack Kirby. Uh, in the 40s, tried to, to to start his own publishing company with with Joe Simons. Um, so uh, again, you just um, the the difference is that nowadays the artists actually have a shot at at doing what they want to do versus being told, you know, this week you're drawing this guy, next week you're going to be doing something else. You know, it's 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 a uh, it, it, you know, and I don't get me wrong. I love Marvel. I love DC, but currently they have like five artists on one book, and in some cases they have ten artists on one book um, for to to keep up with their double shipping schedules, and and that's fine because they're Marvel and DC. They have to do something to 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 keep up with with what Image is doing. I consider myself a classic cartoonist like Will Eisner. You know, I write and draw my own material. I, in some cases I hand paint my own material because that's what the book is called for. That's what artistically needs to happen. It, it's one singular vision on my material. And that, that gives me a lot of respect for you because you are, you grind away at it a lot and you, you have not given up and I don't ever see you giving up. It makes me real happy that I know you, that you're able to do this. No, thank you. Um, like I said, you just, you know, you you have to pursue your own dreams, especially in this economy. You know, no one's coming to you for, hey, you know, do you want your dream job? No, you got to go out and get it. You have to earn it. You have to put put out um, your your material. And, and the rise of books like Saga and Walking Dead have proven that, like, oh, no, you can make a living off your indie books again. In the 80s, yeah, the, the creators of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles made a living off of their, their indie book. And so with, with you know, like I said, Saga, Walking Dead, all of a sudden it's, it's possible again. Because yeah. there was a time in the 90s when the industry wasn't what it should have been, and that just wasn't possible. 
Well, they went they they went to a very staunch corporate structure, and they started flooding the market with things they thought people wanted, and it made it really hard for indie guys to get seen. I mean, shelves became very crowded in a way. Yeah. Well, also it was um, the 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 industry crashed. Uh, people forget about this. Uh, Marvel filed for bankruptcy in in the late nineties. Well, that's why they that's why uh, Marvel doesn't own the movie rights to a lot of their characters anymore. Yeah, they, Stanley was not at the head of Marvel, but he was still well, pretty, at, he was still at that point. Stanley was out of the out of Marvel completely. I thought he was the one that authorized like the selling of the rights. No, he had nothing to do with that. He by that time, because Stanley, uh, I love Stan. He he quit being the chief and publisher of Marvel like in the eighties, seventy. That's when um, Jim Shooter came in, took over the the line. A lot of people want to hate on Jim Shooter because he's not a nice person. Um, but during his reign as editor in chief, Marvel was the most successful it had ever been. So, but that's just that's comic book history. But basically, when the when you get to um, Ike Perlmutter in the 90s, who I hate Ike Perlmutter, um, not a fan. He he leveraged Marvel uh, to buy Toy Biz and drove the, sh- the stock basically down to penny stocks. Oh, my goodness. And I was a stockholder at the time. I actually had stock in Marvel. And it he, he destroyed the company. And uh, currently, Ike Perlmutter is still the CEO of Marvel Entertainment, and uh, nothing would see me happier than to to, to hear of him being fired, uh, especially since he donated a million dollars to Trump. So, uh, yeah, I'm not an Ike Perlmutter fan. Um, so what's what part of Marvel is Kevin Foggy running or Feggy? Well, I can never understand his last. Kevin name. Feige runs Marvel Studios. So he just does the movies. He just does the movies. Okay, because I heard he was when they they did a they did some kind of split and he was he was heading up some part of Marvel, but I wasn't too clear on which ones they were. So, but yeah, I've been hearing uh like people are praising him for things he's doing. I assumed maybe the movies, but I wasn't sure. No, I uh, Kevin Feige's the movies, and unfortunately, part of this this the restructuring of Marvel, uh, he he lost power over the tv division which luckily netflix they're doing it luke cage was incredible they're 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 still killing it uh it it makes the possibility of a crossover between the tv properties and the movies a little bit harder yeah it's because they're they're the way it was restructured they're now separate but they're i'm still enjoying agents of shield especially their stuff with ghost Rider now uh i think it's interesting they use the west coast uh ghost Rider, but I, I i'm enjoying him have you did you read his comics I've only seen a little bit of his comics, but I'm I'm liking the stuff that they have for the show. I'm starting to do the same thing I do with video games for comics. I've been watching um, synopses on YouTube, so I'm pretty familiar with the with the new go- the new Ghost Rider that's on Agents of Shield right now. The Rami Reyes or yeah. Ronnie Reyes, Ronnie Reyes, yeah. Um, I, I loved that, that run. I'm a ghostwriter fan that going way back, you know, Marvel, uh, despite their CEO being a Trump supporter has really been pushing diversity. And so you get the Hispanic ghostwriter, you get the, the black female version of Iron Man, you get the Muslim, uh, Miss Marvel, like this is what the company agenda is currently. Like they want to push diversity and it's a good thing you get a trophy brandon 
you're the first guest or any of us to bring up Trump on the podcast. We are now <laughs> an official podcast that we have talked about Trump. Yep. Well, I I stopped reading Marvel because of their CEO giving money to Trump. Like, oh my goodness. Wow, that, that's a big deal for you, too, because you liked a lot of their titles. I, I'm, I'm still out there saying, no, these stuffs are... And it kills me, because like Dan Slott is doing an, uh, his life's work on Spider-Man right now. Oh. And it's incredible stuff, but I can't, in good faith, give can't money to, to a company that I know 1% of 1% 1% is going to go to Donald Trump. And you just can't bring yourself to doing it. No. no uh, I, I, that's understandable. So I want to bring something back. You mentioned you're a big fan of Ghostwriter. Who was your first Ghostwriter? Um, I I came on during the, the 90s. Uh, the Johnny Blaze was was being phased out, and they were introducing the, the second one. Um, Danny Ketch. Danny Ketch, yeah. That was my first Ghostwriter. I'm, I'm very happy about that. I guess I'm a purist. My first ghostwriter was Johnny Blaze. Johnny Blaze. Um, I I like Danny Catch because Danny Catch is when they invented, brought in the pen and stare. Um, they they really amped up the you know the the was it the Midnight Suns the the Brothers of the Midnight Sun or whatever that that yeah. comic book event was. Was that with um, when they got all the supernatural people together in one place? Yeah, it was. Um, Some, oddly yeah. enough, I don't think Doctor Strange was a part of it, which I think was a mistake. But they did. Like, no, I, I think that was the right thing to do because Doctor Strange was mystical. He didn't really do the kind of horror supernatural that Ghost Rider and Blade yeah. and um, Mobius, the living vampire and other characters like that did. He did in the 70s because there's the whole uh, Doctor Strange versus Dracula. I didn't uh, even know about that. Oh, Marvel had a Dracula. That's a thing? Yeah, that's a thing. That's a thing. Marvel had a Dracula title in the 70s that is incredible because it's Dracula as the main character, you know, Ooh. kind of pining and and, and, <laughs> and and you'll see remnants is like when you go through and read big hunks of X-Men, all of a sudden Dracula will just show up. And uh, trivia, Dracula and Storm actually went on a date. Wow, uh, that's hilarious. I was introduced to Dracula through Spider-Man comics. Mm. So, yeah. Oh, really? Like, yeah, they, he made an appearance. That's that's neat. Well, because um, they, they did a few things. Because I, I, I don't know about the comics, but I know in the, in the 90s cartoon, he had a big crossover with Blade. Well, I, yeah. really, I really liked Mobius the Living Vampire. Morbius. Mo- Mobius? Morbius? Mobius? Morbius? Something like it, that. It, it's one of those nebulous comic book names. Um, yeah, I, I'm a fan of, of Mor- Mobius as well. Um, uh, Morbius, yeah, he's, um, they, they tried to bring him back in a new title recently, uh, well, recently as of three years ago. It just didn't go over too well. The, the Christmas lights are flickering above my desk. Um, what, what are they Anthony saying? would like me to ask Brandon what comics he's reading now. Um, currently I'm, I'm going back through and I'm reading my, uh, Cerebus, uh, Omnibus. Um, again, I love the, the indie guys. Cerebus is the longest running independent comic book ever produced. Um, and, uh, it's Cerebus the Aardvark. It's a Conan parody. It started off as a Conan parody and then became so much more. An Aardvark that's parodying Conan. Oh, dude, if you've never read Cerebus, you are missing out. Um, I will warn you, it's a little misogynistic, but 
Well, it's um, parody it's a, Conan. So it's a, a Conan parody, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, I have a print signed by Dave Sims that I'm. I just I love. It sits in my office. It's Cerebus drunk up against a wall. And so yes, uh, currently reading, going back, rereading Cerebus. I'm reading Will Eisner's uh, Through the Storm, Through the Heart of the Storm. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with Will Eisner's work, uh, he's in comic books. We have like you know how they have the Grammys, the Oscars, the whatevers. Yeah. Um, uh, in comic books, they have the Eisners named after Will Eisner. Oh, they have the I. Okay. Um, like, are, are there any titles he did that I would have heard of? The Spirit. Oh, okay. Is, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but he he is the the saint of comic books uh, artists. He did something called Through the uh, Heart of the Storm, which is an autobiography of the the day he shipped out for boot camp for World War Two. Oh. And it's him on the train sitting there thinking, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Uh, as he looks through the windows of the train, it's flashing back on his life. Oh, my. That that sounds like a very good read. Uh, through the heart of the story. It's, it's just incredible. It's, it's um, Will Eisner did several autobiography comics because he lived a very interesting life. Uh, my favorite is the... Um, the creator. It, it's all about him starting off as a young cartoonist in comic books, and it's it's, it's beautiful. And then uh, currently in modern comics, I I have a backlog I got to go through, but I'm also reading um, the new Archie stuff. I'm reading um, Mark Wade's uh, Archie comics. I heard nothing but good things about the new Archie stuff. The new Archie stuff will make you cry. It is it is um, everything that you would expect in an Archie book, but told from a level of maturity that you're not expecting from Archie. Hmm. And it's it's uh, really well done. Also, they they've done away with the whole he has two girlfriends, and so the they really cut down that harem aspect. Yeah, the, the in the first issue of the new stuff, it starts off with Betty and Archie breaking up, and then Veronica moving to town. Um, so there's the whole, uh, him dating and he's got his ex-girlfriend who lives next to him. And it's, 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 uh, it's really done, really well done. It seems like Archie's really hot right now. Cause our last, our last comic book related guest, Matthias Lewis, who's a comic book manager at our favorite comic book store, SoCal Games and Comics in Temecula, California. That's a good shop. I've, I've been in there a couple of times. Yeah. He, he talked about Archie and he used the exact same words you did. Yeah. Yeah, he had nothing but praise, and like Brian was saying, this is—it's becoming a hot ticket again. Well, it, it's it's weird because Archie started to to rise when they were doing the uh, Life with Archie, um, which was uh, what if they age? Oh, if they and got older. What if they got older? And Life with Archie, I was following this. It was a magazine thick. It was uh, uh, twice as thick as anything else on the stands. And half the book was, what if he got older and married Veronica? And the other half was, what if he got older and married Betty? I'm surprised and they didn't do the, what if he got older and forgot high school and married someone else? <laughs> it, well, it, they, um, they, that series uh, ran for like 30-some-odd volumes, and it ends with the death of Archie. And in the death of Archie, he, they, they won, like, he has this moment of like, Almost where he sees the multiverse of Archie and you see all the possibilities. I was always a Cherry Blossom fan. And uh, 
you know, you see him with her, you see him with Josie from Josie and the Pussycats, you see all the possibilities that might have been. That that blows me away. Oh, yeah, yeah. Archie got real mature. It only took 50 years to get there. Yeah, uh, I gotta, um, I'm, I'm going to say this. If you ever come across an, uh, a copy of uh, Archie meets The Punisher, I will take a copy. Um, there's Well, the thing is, there's two copies of that book. There's Archie meets The Punisher, and then The Punisher meets Archie. One is published by Archie Comics. The other is published by Marvel. Uh, this so, is something yeah. that actually happened. Oh, yeah. this this is something that happened. Yeah, Archie and the Punisher had a crossover. Uh, Punisher kills a couple of drug dealers in Riverdale. Oh my god! Yeah, I, I've always wanted to read. Uh, just I, I never knew that Marvel did their own side of it. I always knew Archie Comics ha- had Archie meets the Punisher, and I've always wanted to read it. Um, right now, uh, man, I wish I could remember her name because I just met her. And we just became Facebook friends. But um, so uh, we're, we're Facebook friends. I, I don't know her name off the top of my head, but she's currently drawing the uh, Betty Boop book for IDW uh, or Boom. I think it's Boom. Betty Boop. But yeah, I believe also, Boom has him. Yeah, she's um, just drew uh, Archie meets the Ramones. Really? For Archie Comics. Because, you know, they always had the Archie band aspect. Yeah. Um, which, so they, they crossed over with the um they did a time travel story via sabrina to bring the archies in to meet uh the ramones okay that's that's something i'm going to keep a lookout for all right i'm going to read you the cover of the punisher meets archie (laughs) the punisher meets archie 48 pages no ads the crossover you've been dreading (laughs) at least they're honest (laughs) <laughs> I was going to say, if, if I could uh, take a moment to transition from Archie to my current Kickstarter. Um, oh, for yes, that's actually something I wanted uh, you to bring up because you've, I've been uh, told some about it. I'm really interested. I've, I've talked uh, about it some, but I really want to hear from your mouth. I was going to say Archie was an influence because, you know, the, the whole Josie and the Pussycats thing, I, I, I brought that in and there's a battle of the band sequence. Um, currently, I'm, I'm doing a Kickstarter called Those Meddling Kids. It's a, a love letter to all the Hanna-Barbera mystery uh, shows from the 60s and 70s. Basically and, all those meddling kids. <laughs> all those meddling kids. And one of those shows was Josie and the Pussycats. So yes. I, I had to, to reference and, 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 and make fun of, of Josie and the Pussycats and, uh, and do the whole band thing. Because this is, it, it, again, I, I, I spent a lot of time researching Scooby-Doo. And uh, one of the things in the original Scooby-Doo cartoon was they were supposed to be a band. Um, oh, that would have made them traveling a lot, a lot more sense. That would make a lot more sense. That would have made sense why they're traveling in this van and all that stuff. Uh, it got cut because um, the Archie cartoon from Fundamation was currently going on. And uh, the Archie cartoon, if you've never seen the cartoon from the 60s, it doesn't hold up. No. But. It, it's mostly about Archie and the gang as a band, the Archies and their dog, you know, hot dog. So um, Hanna-Barbera was afraid if they went the band route of being sued by Archie. Oh, yeah. OK, I can understand that. So, you know, cartoon dog, group of kids, band. That's the reason why the Scooby-Doo gang is always nebulously traveling around without any real reason. But originally they, they had a reason. They were, you know, a They're band. Supposed- they're supposed to be a band. Do, do you have a list of the different the different um, 
the different things, the different Hanna-Barbera shows that are inspiring it? Oh, um, well, uh, let's see. There's uh, Scooby-Doo, uh, Josie and the Pussycats, uh, Jabberjaw, um, Speed Buggy. Well, that's a uh, thank you. That was what I was hoping you would mention. Speed Buggy oh, was always my favorite. So, you know, I was going to say uh, um, Funky Phantom. Oh, whoa. There's there's reference to Funky Phantom. That's uh, deep cut. It is it is deep cuts. Um, the only guy I couldn't really work. Oh, uh, uh, also a uh, pup named Scooby-Doo threw that in there. Um, the that's only a good thing- little modern. It is. Um, the only thing I couldn't really work in somehow was Captain Caveman. Oh, you literally could have just had him pick up a caveman comic or something about yeah. a caveman. <laughs> he might show because uh, uh, he might show up as like a poster in the background or something. That that would be good. That's the only thing I can think of because I did the uh, Jabberjaw shows up as uh, okay. Going back to Evil Dead in the Evil Dead, there is a once he, when he goes into the cellar, there is a Jaws poster, and the Jaws poster is torn. And this is Sam Raimi's metaphor for saying, no, 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 you think that's scary. This is scary. Ah. Um, and so I couldn't resist putting a Jabberjaw, a torn Jabberjaw poster in the background. Oh, okay, that's good. That, that's good. That's really good. Now, you're you're only referencing the teenager tropes. You're not going to reference to Herculoids? No, no, I'm, I'm just the teenager tropes. Uh, there's a couple of the cartoons that were in that vein, um, but they're really obscure. Well you, the, well, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to do Space Ghost or Sea Lab because um, the Cartoon Network has already done it. Yeah. Well, yeah, what's, what's interesting, like, I've been working on this book for a year. And when I started, um, this genre was dead. This franchise, th- th- there was nothing in this this era of comics. And then, you know, just before the Kickstarter goes live, DC Comics brings back Scooby-Doo with their Scooby-Doo uh, book. Archie relaunches Josie and the Pussycats. You know, you have uh, Die Kitty Die with um, one of the classic Archie artists um, doing his riff on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Uh, Dan Parrott. That's who it was, Dan Parrott. Oh, Dan uh, Parrott. Okay. Yeah. So, um, like, when I started this this genre this field was barren and empty so i thought okay i'll be the only one playing in this era and then all of a sudden everyone's playing with with these this kind of stuff that's just how it happens it's you know your life led to you having that idea and there's a hundred other people in the same demographic as you that had the same idea at the same time yeah this seems pretty uh pretty unique and special right here this is a butterfly yeah, because um, like I said, the those mentally kids. Besides, like, like it, um, who was it? It was uh, um, the Venture Brothers did a Scooby Doo parody. As oh, they, they did. Yes, you're right. Yeah. They did. Oh, I love the Venture Brothers. Uh, I hate their Scooby Doo parody. <laughs> oh, I love um, their Scooby Doo parody. And, and I loved it reason, because of how I loved it because of how bad it was. I love how they turned Shaggy into the son of Sam. Yeah, that's 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 my problem with it. <laughs> that was your it problem is, with it. Well, you know, Fred's and you know, pardon the, pardon the language. Fred's in that parody is an asshole. Um, he's yelling at the girls. The 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 dog's not quite uh, like not just off model because they have to be. But those those are the worst versions of these characters that I've ever seen. As that's far what they were, as that's pretty much what they were going for. It was what I think. Yeah, they don't. Yeah. They don't. Um, they don't pay homage. They full on parody. 
Yeah, they, that, look what they did to Johnny Quest. Well, Johnny Quest, uh, I'm I'm on board with their parody for Johnny Quest. Oh yeah, so. no, I, I I love their Johnny Quest, the Action Johnny. Yeah, Action they, Johnny. they portrayed Fred to be like a kidnapper. Yeah, and and I had I had problems with that, and so when I was thinking about doing my parody, um, the way I thought about doing it was you don't change the personalities of the characters. These are archetypes. They've been around since '69 for a reason. Um, you don't change the, the, the personalities of these, these characters. What you do is you change the world that they're in. You change the, the, the danger, the level of danger. You, you take them and put them up against a threat they're not used to. Normally it's guys just dressed as ghosts for money or whatever. All of a sudden, this is a revenge plot from several people that they put in prison who are going, no, this time we're going to kill some teenagers. Uh, uh, up the ante, huh? Up the ante. So it, it is a survival horror comic with these archetypes that, you know, aren't used to this kind of threat. And when you examine the villains that they're used to going up against, to be a Scooby-Doo villain, you have to have a master's degree in engineering. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's, this, is, this is very true. There's no other way to pull off what they pulled off. So, you know, these people with master's degrees have gone to prison and when they get out, they probably have an ax to grind against the teenagers who sent them there. Oh, for sure. Because nobody's going to want to hire them regardless of their degrees. And plus now all they have is time. Yeah. They, they've had time to sit there and plan, you know, their revenge on these, these kids. So it, like, again, my, my book is darker and it is more of a, a, a spoof parody but I, I, I couldn't, I, I, I didn't want to damage the integrity of the characters. I just wanted to put them in something that they're not used to. You wanted their personality types to go up against something that was, you know, kind of out of their range and see how you, yeah. how you think they would fare. What would, what would Scooby Doo do if he's going up against, you know, Freddy or Jason? That's a book I'd wouldn't mind saying. <laughs> But that's basically what you're doing, just not with the whole "he's asleep, gonna kill you in your nightmares" aspect. Yeah, no, there's there's a killer clown. There's, you know, I, I took a lot of the classic Scooby-Doo villain designs and cranked them up and and made them a little bit da- more dangerous and deadlier. So the um, weak, so the weakness of the of the guys that are getting out of jail is going to be similar to the weakness of the comics. Is they're they're not just going to go and shoot them in the head. They're going to try to take them out in some elaborate way. Yes, they, you know, there's elaborate death traps. This is, there are moments that harken back to Saw. There are moments that harken back to some of these other horror genres. Nice. Does it, does it take place in like the 60s? It's a nebulous era. Like, there are cell phones and cell phone references, but, you know, of course, but when you're going up against somebody with a master's degree in engineering, chances are they know how to use a cell phone blocker. Yeah, so it's very sad, like 60s, 70s-esque, but there's modern technology, modern degrees. It's sort of like how Archer does, where it's sort of unclear what the time frame is. Yeah. Considering they had a really young Burt Reynolds. Speaking of Archer, I'm actually wearing my Archer shirt Mm. from my loot crate. Yeah, I could tell from the spy cameras in your room. Ah, good. Wait, were you watching last night? I don't watch at night. Oh, thank God. I still have nightmares from the, the last time I attempted to. (laughs) <laughs> I was going to say, Anthony watches at night. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's sitting on his break at, at work going, let's see doing today. Oh, dear God, no. 
I'm trying to figure out how he's listening to us right now since we're not recording live because he's responding to questions from the upside down. Well, that's the thing. You're trying to understand the upside down. You can't do that, man. You're going to end up going through there and getting really messed up. He's picking up on some kind of signal. Um, He wanted to know, Brandon, um, do you have any advice for would-be comic authors? Um, My my number one advice is work on anatomy, uh, draw from real life, because, you know, yeah, I'm a a cartoonist. I can do cartoonier things and get away with stuff like that. But at the end of the day, you still have to know how to draw a telephone. You still have to know how to draw the human anatomy. You still, you know... You have to understand how things work before you can play with the rules. So, you know, take life course drawing, take, take as, draw as much as you possibly can, learn as, as many tools as you possibly can, ink brushes, ink nibs, and, and just, you know, uh, make your comic because there's, there's room enough for everyone in the current industry. There really is. Well, I mean, Marvel's got five artists on a book. I think they can find you. I think, I think there's going to be room. Yeah. I mean, even if they just need you to do backgrounds. Yeah, well, backgrounds are, um, you know, not what they used to be. Nowadays, they there are programs that you can just take a photo and it'll, you can drop it in the background and run a, run a filter over it and you get your line, you know, your backgrounds, the sketch up or whatever I think is what they call it. I don't do that. I've just heard about it. But I know some Marvel artists are doing that. Yeah, so just basically... Keep sharpening your skills. Keep just keep to the whetstone and and keep going and try and just put your foot in the door, kind of thing. Or yeah, you want? I would also say, um, you know, if you're looking at any other, um, if, if if you wanted to be a uh, a stone masonry, you look at Michelangelo, right? You look at the 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 guys who were there in the 14th century breaking ground. So in comics, I would tell younger artists to look at the guys who were there before you. Look at um, Will Eisner. Look at Wally Wood. Look at that was another thing talking about uh, indie publishing. Wally Wood was doing indie publishing in the seventies. He had a mail out magazine where you would mail in, and then he would print and mail you his comic, Sally Forth. Like I'm not doing anything different or new. I'm just. I have the advantages of the internet and I don't have to deal with mail order. Like you can just go through my website, buy my book and I'll mail it to you. I don't have to receive a a thing in the mail first. That's really good. I'm glad that we were able to talk to you about, you know, your passions in comics, your work in comics. And I, again, we're trying to, we're pitching that Kickstarter. It's up now. Uh, It's uh, those meddling kids. It support the support this because it's going to be from everything you've just heard Brandon say, it's going to be pretty cool. So I want to see where it goes. So we, we got to fund it. We got to get funded. Hearing you talk about your comics is great, but I do know that you have other hobbies and some and a couple of them are very fascinating. Brian, if he was in the same room as me right now, I'm sure he'd be nudging me in the elbow to ask you and for years now. I, I, that I've and pretty much the entire time I know you, you have been a basically a, a, a sword fighter, um, medieval reenactor, HMB sword fighter. I'm one of the founding members of a nonprofit charity called Lamaya Knights. If you're going to be in the Menifee area, November fifth, uh, you can come out and see us at the uh, Menifee Community College (MSJC). Menifee campus. There's uh, November 5th is the uh, Buddy Walk for Down Syndrome. It's a Down Syndrome fundraiser. We're there every year raising money for um, our local Down Syndrome Society. So 
Uh, yeah, I, I put on a hundred pound suit of armor and then I hit another guy wearing another hundred pound suit of armor as hard as I can. Wow. So it's, it's a full blown heavy set suit of armor. Now you guys don't just like, like, Oh, I would hit you here or I'm going to tap you. You guys haul off and smack each other. Yeah. HMB. Like there's, there's a couple of different groups that do this and there's a couple of different rule sets. There's a uh, LARP. Of course, with the padded, you know, that's that's D and D taken to a degree. The nth degree. We're gonna go out. We're gonna actually play in a park. We're gonna play out these scenarios. Then there's SCA, which I started off with SCA. I got nothing against SCA, but they use wooden swords and they treat it a little bit more like a martial arts. But they're like when you actually start getting into the nitty gritty historical stuff, they're not historically accurate, and that bothers me because they proclaim to be but the second you start talking to them about half sorting they say well you can't do that i go well no here's the the documentation that this actually did happen um and it's a valid fighting technique and then you get into adria which is live steel real swords real armor and then you get into hmb which is international competitions i have several friends who've gone over and fought uh, as members of team usa uh, every year there's a tournament called Battle of the Nations where 44 different countries compete in four or five different Olympic style fights. Well, when are you going to get to go do this? I want to see you sport the red, white, and blue. Uh, I, I was at a qualifier last year. It was fun. I just don't have the money to travel to Europe because everything's out of pocket. Where, um, where in Europe is the, is it held? Every year it's held at a different medieval castle. Last year it was in the Czech Republic. I don't know where it's going to be happening this year. I know there's some tournaments going on right now in Italy. And it's it's a professional sport in Europe because people are actually getting paid to fight like this in Europe. Yeah, it's it's basically becoming the, the new MMA. And I'm actually really glad this is happening. And yeah, but at the same time, it scares me because it just means our bloodlust as a society is really growing. I it's not growing. This is the oldest sport. It goes back to 1066. It's well. The, this is. Well, I mean, it's it's coming back. Let, let, let's put the black suit back on and handle this. You're it's, saying it's becoming more mainstream. Yes, yes. Thank you for for uh, a more poignant way of saying it. I don't know. I which I don't have a problem with because I think this is great. Well, when you say it's a professional sport, then there's got to be sponsors involved. So I got I, I picture in my mind someone wearing a full suit of armor with a big 76 logo on the back of it. Well, there are sponsors involved. However, um, HMB Battle of the Nations has rules where they will not allow fighters to wear sponsors on their taverns and on their equipment. The only way you can, if you have a sponsor, you have to hang the flag over, like you see this in MMA sometimes, you hang the flag over the banister before the fight starts. Okay, I actually like that more because there's a problem, like, my that's my problem is you know aside from you know the the, the sponsors saying okay well you got to sport this and that and then you have these beautiful suits of armor like our, our suits of armor weren't just functional ways to defend yourself they yeah, were but in, art in, and in a lot of these tournaments anyway you're wearing a tabard to to, to show what team you're on and even so, those tabards are still beautiful. Oh, yeah, they are. I'm just saying most of the armor is covered up anyway. It, it's kind of funny. The, I'm a NASCAR you, fan, and I'm saying I don't like sponsorship on <laughs> on the person participating. You like that, and I like that, and the, the league likes that, but the sponsors don't. 
And well, so yeah, of course they feel like it, they're not being represented. It's harder to get sponsors in that kind of thing. There's a whole group of uh, blacksmiths and armorers who uh, they'll cut group deals. If you say, Hey, I'm with this team, you might get 5% off your, your order. So there are advantages of being on it in a club. I'm technically, uh, the Maya Knights qualifies as an HMB club, uh, even though we're a nonprofit, but that's because several members are members of battle of the nations and have gone on to fight in, uh, in various countries. Is it all sorts? Um, no, there's uh, swords, poleaxes, maces, some pretty gnarly weaponry, all medieval. You have to be able to document. The thing is, though, you have to be able to document what you're using. So if I'm using a 14th century falchion, I can't be wearing a 15th century suit of armor. So you have to stay accurate between your, your gear they, they give and you your about, weapon. Yeah, they give you about 100 years to play with. I've never heard of them checking this, but in the rule books, they talk about period underwear as well. <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> I just have this image in my mind of the person who's in charge of checking yeah <laughs> they hate their life <laughs> um, should have stayed in college uh, go go to uh, YouTube type in Battle of the Nations because um, there's uh, the, the there's one on one which is incredible feats of endurance there's um uh, five on five and then 21 on 21, uh, 21 on 21, that 21 on 21. That's, that's 42 people in the ring at once. And it is a melee. And there's video available for this. If we look for it. Yes. Battle of the nations. You can watch, um, up to the last four or five tournament years of tournaments. Brian, um, you, you need to put at least a couple of those things in the description. I, I, I'm trying to get a better schedule for sharing direct content. So, um, if it doesn't end up in the description, it'll be because I'm going to share videos directly on the page. Yeah, you, see, this is uh, some you, stuff. You can you go to uh, facebook.com slash Lamaya Knights, and we have several videos from Battle of the Nations as well as our local fights here in, in the Inland Empire. Because uh, it's a weird thing, because, again, we've been doing this charity since 2008, and um, we've gotten invites to do all kinds of weird things. We've been at Comic-Con. We fought at Comic-Con, um, the Marked Men parties. We helped out with uh, one of the Rave of Thrones in L.A. You um, did something that I thought was really cool because you you were you got in. You did a show on the Star of India. Yes. The ship. The, and to me, I thought that was amazing because I, I like that. I love old naval ships and everything you did that you had sword fights on tell us about that on that yeah tell us a little bit more about that because that when i found out about that i was just i was green with envy because i thought that was great yeah star of india it's like a a, a actual real freaking pirate ship that goes back to the 1400s still in service and uh, they rented it out for an after party on at comic-con uh the marked men party uh, we've done it two years uh last year uh sadly the marked men party didn't happen um, they were re, uh, renovating the, the star of India. Yeah, I was there. They're half, they were halfway done when I went and checked there. They should be done by actually, I think next month they said. Yeah, so, um, uh, the, the way the, the fights worked out in, in the star of India is they put us in the hold. So we're on the bottom deck of the ship and you look up and there's two decks above you and everyone's just watching you fight from a, a bird's eye view. That's beautiful. Um, and yes, there's a little bit of, uh, you know, 
inaccuracy in that we're knights and you know no knight in a suit of armor actually ever fought on a pirate ship uh until now uh, yeah. <laughs> you made history brother uh, oh no! I made history in a big bad way because I actually DDT'd one of my opponents. Well, I don't know um, what that is. Tell uh, him. A, a DDT is a professional wrestling move where you grab a guy by the head and then you fall and drop him headfirst into the floor. And I was fighting a guy. He he went down to one knee, and I thought this is either going to be the stupidest thing in the history of ever or the most coolest thing in the history of ever. And I just grabbed him and hit hit this wrestling move, the DDT. Going back to my original dream of being a pro wrestler, and uh, you know, I, I DDT'd a sword fighter on the Star of India uh, in the middle of an actual sword fight. That is, that's passion, beauty, hobby, <laughs> and just all around greatness, right there. That just you've combined in that in that one instance, you combined three things I like. The three things that I like: wrestling, sword fighting, and old school sailing naval ships so you're just like you just put them in this one big beautiful ball of amazing um i i got on there was somebody interviewing us that night and i couldn't help myself i went and, and cut like a hulk hogan style promo and i said i was the first man to ddt somebody on this ship since blackbeard in the 14 you know and just went off no that was something i'm very proud of is that moment be, be very uh, proud of that i uh i also sword fighting um again got into it because it's a weird hobby and it's taken me places I never thought it would because like I said, you end up on the star of India with 300 people looking down at you, you know, in a fight. Um, I did a uh, rave of Thrones at the LA exchange, a rave venue um, with uh, Chris something. I can't remember his name. He plays Hodor on the game of Thrones. Oh, I like him. And uh, so we were at his rave events fighting on stage with him DJing right behind us. The the rave events are, are they're different. Yeah, I, I, I've told this story elsewhere, but it's a fun story. We After the sword fights, we were walking around the rave just to check this out and see what it's like. And, you know, the, this woman comes up to us and she goes, oh my God, you were the, the sword fighters. And yeah, yeah, can I get a photo? Went, sure. And I posed for a photo for her to hop in. And, and then whatever she had taken... Um, kicked on <laughs> and her eyes go white and she just stretches her hand out for like a high five. And so I took my hand and I reached out and I went palm to palm with her. We stood there for like a couple of seconds. No one took a photo, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then she walked off and said, thank you. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's that. That's a story for the ages right there. That, that I like that. I have one question, one more question about the Star of India thing. Um, when you looked up and you saw these two decks of people watching you fight, how hard was it to fight the urge to look up and be like, are you not entertained? Who fought the urge? We yelled it out. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that makes it even better. So I I got to say, you know, hearing about your sword fighting is great. That's so that is, a, like you said, a, a weird yet fascinating hobby that I Love hearing about, and you said it's the 5th of November you're going to be at the Menifee campus for MSJC, Mount San Jacinto College? Yeah, 5th of November, Lamai Knights are going to be out there. Um, it's uh, MSJC, it's their buddy walk. If you've never gone to one of these things, we do this every year. Um, the Downs, local Down Syndrome Society and Down Syndrome Awareness, they do this thing where um, they, they do a buddy walk 
where they walk a lap around the, the, the parking lot, but it's, it's this big event for the kids. It's, you know, like, again, we're there for the kids. We're putting on a show. We're entertaining kids at this, at, at the buddy walk, but will, it's, yep. it's for down syndrome awareness. They're raising money for down syndrome. It's a good, good cause. That is a beautiful cause. Uh, Brian, you know, if, if we, if, if it works out for us, we should try and do a, a live report from the buddy walk cover, uh, cover the, uh, the Lumia Nights. When is it? The 5th uh, of November. November 5th. 5th of November. Oh, gosh. I don't know if we could do a live report. Well, not a live report, but like, you know, take take notes, record, give a Isn't review. Isn't that like right episode. near your birthday? Yeah. It's uh, it's right. It's like three days before my birthday. So it's going to be on a Saturday. Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be on a Saturday. I don't we- know if I could get ready for a live report by then. Well, not uh, a live. We'll, we'll just like maybe have one of us record something from our phone and as a note commentary and talk about it on, on the next episode. That'd be cool. We'll have to talk about that. Well, it's time to wrap things up. And, you know, guys, anything you guys got coming up, contact info, uh, Brian? Um, I'm going to be watching Westworld on HBO. They just, they've done a couple episodes so far. I'm going to be checking that out. Plus, we got a bunch of. Um, guests to schedule and to be on Um, right now we have i'm not gonna give dates because i don't know exactly when we're gonna put these episodes live because we're recording a bunch of stuff all at once but we're gonna have christy shin a independent artist from horator studios Um, we're gonna have jeffrey ashley um, writer of frontiers comic that i've been mentioning on the podcast a lot lately um steven del tor um a um, nerd artist who um has you, you basically find him at any con in California um, selling Little Monsters Project, which we're going to talk about more of that when we have him on. Um, we're also trying to get on um, Jeffrey Scott of Factory 1019. Um, and um, Anthony has an uncle who's really into cosplay who we're trying to get him on for a Halloween show. Um, but we'll see how that works out. So just a ton of work, a ton of recording. And if you want to reach me, you can reach me at brian.nerdpodcastradio at gmail.com, or you could reach me on the Facebook or the Twitter. All right. And the Twitter for everybody is at nerdcastradio. And we check it. We update it. You can, you can hit us there. She is there. Brandon, uh, what do you got coming up? Any kind of uh, any contact information for you? People can reach uh, you. You can always hit me up on Twitter or um, Instagram at Destiny Comics. You can, uh, the website is www.destinycomics.com. That's comics, C-O-M-I-X. I'm a 90s kid. Um, a bit edgy. A bit edgy. Uh, DestinyComics.com. There's Facebook.com slash Destiny Comics or uh, Facebook.com slash 8 Pulp. On um, November 5th, like I mentioned, we have the Buddy Walk. Uh, coming up, uh, Down Center Buddy Walk at the Menifee MSJC campus. And then November 19th and 20th at the Hard Rock Hotel in Palm Springs. There's, I'll be at the Palm Springs Comic Con uh, down there. And your Kickstarter is Those Meddling Kids. Those Meddling Kids uh, on uh, Kickstarter.com. Uh, we, we have a couple of days left. Um, come out, support the book. Uh, our, our episode is going to be live on Wednesday. Is that going to be too late? No, no, no. It's, it's, it'll okay. be the Kickstarter will go until November 1st. Okay. All right. Good. So, uh, I'm getting a message from Anthony. Yeah. Anthony's upcoming project is a line of Ego Waffle ice cream sandwich shops in the upside down 
They're called Downside Up 11 Flavors. <laughs> wow. It's, that's pretty good. So uh, I hope things go really well with that. Uh, I get living up to the entrepreneurship within this. A risky economy to, to start a new business in an alternate dimension. Yeah. Hopefully, You've got to well, respect that. Yeah, <laughs> it he, makes me wonder if one of the new flavors is going to be mouth slugs. <laughs> oh man, that's bad. But I, I got to say, he's got the heart for it. He can do it. Hopefully, it's still in his chest. But uh, uh, for me, I'm gonna watch in the the newest episode of Ash vs. the Evil Dead. I have that on my DVR. I'm gonna keep working for Nano Ramo and uh, work on uh, some backstory for a Pathfinder character I've thought up. I've actually had him thought up, but I want to get, I want to flush out a story, so I'm going to do that. And as always, if you want to get a hold of me, you can message me at mike.nerdpodcastradio at gmail.com. And as always, we're on our Facebook page. Got any questions, comments, topics you think we should be covering because it's nerdy or just you want to hear us talk about it. Talk to us there. It's great. Give us likes. Give us reviews. We're on iTunes, Stitcher. So I want to try something a little new. All right. Um. Brandon has a nice voice for radio, so I'd like him to um, sign us out. So, um, Brandon, this is what we say. We say, this has been Nerd Podcast Radio. Stay informed, stay nerdy, and stay awesome. Could you do um, that for us? Yeah, uh, stay nerdy, stay informed, stay awesome. Yep. Nerdcast Radio? Nerd yep. Podcast Nerd Radio. Nerd Podcast Radio. All right. All right. Count me in. <clears throat> One. All right. And, and three, two. You've been listening to Nerdcast Radio. Stay in tune, stay informed, and stay nerdy.